Before we get started, I want to share with everyone tonight, we have an incredible panel covering how to edit and tailor a portfolio to get into this year's Eddie Adams workshop. So that's at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'll have a link in the description for you to click and reserve your seat. It's limited seats. It's free to the public. But again, it is first come, first serve. And this is all to help you to submit your portfolio by the deadline of June 5th. So make sure that you get this feedback, you get those adjustments, and you go ahead and apply to be part of that special 100 for the workshop this October. Today, we have an incredible guest, uh, you know, my personal opinion, I think after today you hear from them, you'll feel the same. Um, but let's cover some of the accomplishments and things that they've done in their career up to this point. So I know that they are a finalist in the DOD uh, media content contest itself with their feature stories. They're a top recipient of communicator for the Air Force. Um, they've been selected to go to the prestigious military photojournalistic program at Syracuse University, and that's no small feat because what they do there is you get four years worth of photojournalism accelerated into one. So to accomplish that is to me like scaling Mount Everest in a week. Um, but anyways, I could go on and on, and the list is long, but I'd rather have them share that with you. But today we have with us the incredible Janiko Robinson. Hello. Nice. nice to see <laughs> <Hello>. you. <laughs> Welcome. Nice to see you. Uh, and so what I like to do with these first, because I'm always interested, everyone's path is different. And for you, can you share with me what some of your first memories are with photography in general? So uh, I took a photography class in high school, like, you know, most people. Uh, it was pretty cool. I took it to uh, impress a girl who I was interested in. Wow. Um, and we used to make out in the dark room a lot. So it was, it was, <laughs> it's not cliche. That is not cliche. <laughs> it, was, it was great. It was a great time, you know. Um, and so from there, I was kind of like interested in it, but didn't really like uh, I was more interested in the girl. Um, and then when I got to college, I took another photography course um and made a couple like my teacher was terrible he was a terrible teacher but i learned a lot about technique and stuff like that from there um but my experience in the class was not great <laughs> and so um i still was kind of interested but didn't really um pursue or anything like that oh. and i actually should rewind a little bit because my uncle um, was in the Navy and worked at Andrews Air Force Base. And when I was in high school, you have to do like community service hours if you go to school in PG County. Um, and so I did that uh, there at Andrews Air Force Base working with the um, their public affairs shop. And oh, wow. I actually wanted to become a broadcaster for the Air Force. Um, I said, if I ever joined, that's what I would do because I worked really close with a videographer. Um, I took a couple of portraits and uh, not portraits, but pictures. Um, and they actually published them inside of the Andrews uh, paper for the time that I was like, Thank you for covering this work for us. <laughs> we don't have to do <laughs> yeah. this. It was it was pretty cool though, uh, and the guy who uh, took it was me and my sister. We did it at the same time, and the guy who was kind of like showing us around, who who was in charge of us, was Stephen Doty, um, who went on to be like a combat photographer award winner, and I think he got um, some kind of medal uh, for when he deployed. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, 
And so shout out to Uncle Bob for making that happen. I was inspired. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, so from there, I, you know, took the college course uh, in photography, what didn't have a great experience. And then um, fast forward, I think right after I started talking to an Air Force recruiter, I went into the debt program, waited for this job. Um, and while I was waiting for the job, I also had another job doing yearbook photography. Um, all wow. around New Jersey and New York. So is that was that like for your so that wasn't just for your school that was for uh, just other schools like as like a second like a job outside of that. Yeah. So at that point, I had moved to New Jersey uh, with my ex and just looking for odd jobs uh, and working really hard. And I realized, you know, I could probably make more money, do less work if I joined the Air Force. So mm -hmm. that's when I started talking to a recruiter. And um, yeah, and while I was waiting to get into uh, waiting for this career field to pop up, I found a job doing yearbook photography and we were just going to, we got sent to different locations to take yearbook photos and okay. they had a formula for how to do the lights and stuff like that. Yeah. So, but it was, I got to learn how to uh, deal with people. Well, there's a lot to unpack here. So I want to I want to go back a little bit because I'm learning so much more about you uh, than I knew before. So first thing, like because you have a lot of knowledge now. So what about your high school photography teacher didn't make them so great? So, yeah, my high school photography teacher, she was cool. She was pretty cool. Uh, but my college one, he was I don't can we curse on here? you can whatever you'd like he was an asshole he was just <laughs> like he didn't he would he just hated your photos because he hated them or he didn't understand what you were trying to do um and he never really gave you any kind of ideas on how to make it better he was just mm. a hater um and on top of that like he was i think a, a little bit of a pervert because there were <laughs> some girls who were in my class who would barely even answer the prompt on the assignment and they would always get graded higher than everyone else inside the class and so um it was a t it was a bad experience because of that <laughs> i think that because i've seen a transition um throughout my career to where when i first started i think it was natural and it was just accepted that you would have uh, older, what I would say now is a more traditionalist kind of uh, editor um, or mentor where they were pretty brutal with you. And it was almost like a badge of honor to get through a brutal kind of feedback session with them. Um, and that we, we sort of championed that in a lot of ways. And then as time has gone on, um, there's been a transition of understanding to where that's not really conducive with like growing someone and, and building them up. And that's sort of become a really dated concept where now if you find someone like that, it, it almost sticks out like a sore, sore thumb. And um and like it's almost you're either you adapt with getting rid of that or you sort of just people start to trend away from you. And then you're not really seeked out anymore for your wisdom, if that's even what you can call it. But um. So, yeah, no, it's incredible, again, to see, still see parts of that linger out there and it still exists. Um, and it's just not something that you just hear hear about. But two, can you share? Do you remember what uh, because I didn't have photography when I was going through school at, at my high school or uh, anything like that. But what kind of cameras do you remember? What kind of cameras that you used? 
Um, I know that it was a a film. We used film um, when I was in high school, um, and so we had a dark room. I was, you know, mixing chemicals and doing all this stuff, which I probably shouldn't have been because uh, I definitely wasn't paying attention. Again, I was there for the girl, and so it was. My mom bought me like a little point and shoot um, camera and was buying me film and stuff for it. I have no idea where any of those photos are. Um, but when I was in college, I I had a. Uh, like a, it, it wasn't a DSLR, it's like a step underneath. Mm -hmm. um, and you, yeah, I, I actually shot uh, a, for my final project, we had to do um, a series of something. So we could pick anything. And I chose uh, album covers um, for CDs that I had liked. And so me and my sister went to the thrift store and bought all the outfits and stuff. I'll bring it in That's the work cool. so you can see it. Um, and so I did like Michael Jackson's Thriller. I did Aaliyah's <laughs> album. Like, and the photos are crazy. But I was like 19, I think. Um, so it was a fun experience. Uh, but yeah, I still am not really good at the technical aspects of cameras mm -hmm. and stuff. So I couldn't, I couldn't tell you what uh, those first two cameras were. I think it would be interesting, like to link back up with you later, and maybe, like I said, at fifteen, twenty years later, where it's like you know what you see on social media now. Like here's me and my family, and we recreate the picture as adults. I like yeah. to see. I like to see y'all, like you recreate those same images that you did for that assignment, but you know, fifteen to twenty years later. And what does that look like? And uh, not only just you know to see how much you improved, but also from a hilarious aspect of how you adapt that interpretation of an interpretation and uh you know it comes very meta and uh <laughs> but that's that's really cool and so for you like you said then like you had a lot of influence before getting even to a recruiter and getting and joining the air force but was there a trigger for you that sort of were like okay the air force is it and this is the career i want to pursue um was it sort of clear like that for you where you're sort of just like casting a reel out there and like whatever happens happens so for me, I knew because of that experience and uh, the you know uh, student service learning hours at Andrews, I knew that if I ever joined, that's what I would do. Um, my dad was Army, and he always told me to go Air Force if I was going to do anything. Um, and so, I, yeah, basically, <laughs> he, he always said that I was smart. So, I, <laughs> uh, and so he he didn't think that I would have an issue in the Air Force um, because he thought I was smart. And so, yeah, but I always knew that if I was going to do it, I was going to do public affairs. I thought I wanted to be a videographer, um, but when they asked for that audition tape, I got nervous. And so I went for photography instead. Um, and then, yeah, I, I was living in New Jersey at the time in Elizabeth, New Jersey, which is a, a melting pot of different cultures. I learned a whole lot while I was living there, but it's not the best environment um, for you to progress. Um, a lot of people do a lot of great things. There's a great medical community there. Uh, some of the schools are really good and stuff like that, but it's a really rough neighborhood to get out of, um, especially where I was living. And so for me, it was like, you know, I was just doing uh, any kind of job I could find. So I worked at the airport for a little while. Um, I also worked at Ikea and I was, I was working my ass off and I couldn't save any money. Um, I couldn't buy, you know, anything. And so I was like, for all of that, I might as well just join. Um, and then I started talking to, you know, I called Air Force recruiter. They wouldn't call me back. Uh, then I took the ASVAB with the Army. And once I started leaving my score uh, for the at practice ASVAB on the answering machine, then the Air Force recruiter called me back. <laughs> yeah, <that's> typical. <laughs> yeah. 
and then uh, uh, they told me that I wouldn't be able to get the career that I wanted. Um, so I was like, I'll wait. I know it exists and I know my score is high enough, so I'll wait. So I waited in the debt program for six or seven months. Um, and then they called and I was the only one in the office who qualified for it. And then I got to basic and four other girls in my flight got it open general. And so I was like, yeah. what? No, I feel yeah. your pain. Like that's ultimately like, so a little bit about me is I uh, was supposed to be a load master. Um, I was guaranteed load master. I signed a contract for it. And I was like, I'm going to be traveling all over the world. I got sold all these incredible things and stories of what they do. And I get to basic training and they have the, when I went through, they had a, like career day, essentially, where you go in and the admin people look through your records and they split you up into two sides. Raise your hand. If you have a guaranteed job, come over here and we're just going to make sure everything's good to go. And then if you haven't raised your hand, get in this other line and we're just going to put you where we need you. Or you're going to go in and like fill out some things. What would you like to do? It's almost like, uh, you know, giving up your hopes in a sense, because you can put down what you want and the odds are they want to make sure that you almost don't get it. Um, and so I get sit down and I'm with uh, the, the admin person and they're like, uh, yeah, you don't have any records here. And but we do have like some kind of like documentation showing that you like you signed something. <clears throat> and so they're like, OK, you have a decision to make. <clears throat> you can either go home because we essentially misled you and we can't like we can't guarantee you Loadmaster anymore because it was very sought out at the time. Or you can go in open general, roll the dice, stay here, you know, but, you know, we have to know right now. And I'm like, well, that's, you know, that's pretty stressful. And so I was like, yeah, I don't want to go home. You know, that's why I'm here in the first place. I didn't want to be home. And so, uh, yeah, I went in and then sure enough, I remember the list. There was firefighter, there was pharmacist, um, there was like, like people passing out basketballs. Um, it was a lot more literal back then. And, uh, and then there was photography and then like photography wasn't even number one. I think I might put it like number five. I didn't know till actually the day after graduation. So the day after graduation, the next morning you wake up early and you get sent with a group of people. And, uh, and then, so I'm like, I'm standing with this group of five people and, and like, you're nervous at first, you don't know anyone and like, Hey, what do you do? What, do, what are you going to do? Like one's like a photographer. Another one was a videographer. I was like, I'm going to be one of you. And, that, and that's when I sort of figured out, I know I was going to be in the field. So I feel you. One, it wasn't not even like an open general. Two, it wasn't even like a top three, top yeah. three choice. And, and then here we are today. So I feel feel your pain and suffering. Yeah, yeah. It was rough. The, yours sounds much more stressful, though. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but look at us now. And uh, so you end up, so you end up getting it? Yes. Yep. I end up getting it and going to basic with the guaranteed. Uh, we were photojournalists at the time, X5s. Uh, so I went through that course. So how was that? So you go to this transition of working with military photographers, and then you finally get through all the challenges of becoming one yourself or going through that school. So as you're going through the school, like how did you feel um, like being able to adapt to some of what you've learned with uh, the yearbook job? Um, did you feel like all those things help assist you become successful in that? Or did you sort of feel, um, you know, how the military is teaching photography and, and storytelling and communicating? Was that any different? It was very different. Um, and it was different because I had already done, you know, two years of college. Uh, so I had my associate's degree. 
Um, but I hadn't really had any kind of, my associate's degree was in media studies. So it was kind of like a broader uh, smattering of things. And then your book photography, it's just point and shoot. They have a formula for how you set the lights up. So you don't really have to think about any of that stuff. I think yeah, I used a light meter, uh, but I didn't, I, I'm just reading this thing that says it needs to be set at this and it needs to read this and do this. So there's no creativity or creative thinking involved. Um, and then yeah, so when I got to uh, Denfos, it was basically like all the I was expected to learn how to become an expert and learn how to use all these tools and stuff. And also I was learning the public affairs side, which had to do, you know, with alert photography and uh, media and all that stuff. And so I, I got really lucky because uh, Benny Davis was on my teacher team um, and he taught my photo class. And so I was really inspired, um, but I had no skill. And so all my photos were terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. I was like, I was not the worst in my class, but uh, for people who were in my class, if they follow my career there, they got to be surprised. <laughs> I'm surprised. Um, but yeah, I got I got really lucky. Um, and Benny talked to us a lot about, you know, what we were going to learn at our next base and tried to make sure we were as prepared as possible. Um, but what was really inspiring was when he talked to us about the Syracuse program and, you know, about the opportunities that it gives you and, you know, how much it helps develop you. And that's kind of where I kind of got the bug to be like, okay, that's something I definitely want to do uh, before my career is over. He also showed us about uh, Airman Magazine and all the stories and stuff that they were doing. And so it was pretty cool to see the impact and like the wide range of things that they got to tell, uh, you know, as far as the Air Force story. And so I was like, okay, that's definitely something I want to do too. Um, and so, yeah, I got, I got really lucky in that respect. Um, and then Benny has been instrumental. I've reached out to him multiple times throughout my career to help me with portfolios. Uh, he helped me build my portfolio to get into the storytelling workshop for DOD. Um, which also like, you know, changed my life. Uh, I met you there. Uh, mm -hmm. you were and asking. probably not the best first impression. I'm notorious with that. I will say, uh, even though you were an asshole, it, um, <laughs> it was instrumental and it helped me because the thing that you asked me was, do I want, you know, encouragement or do I want honest feedback? And taking that honest feedback to heart um, and applying it to, you know, the way I was thinking about shooting things and the way I was building my portfolios and stuff definitely helped me. Um, so, yeah, it was a it was a great experience. Well, it was constructive. <laughs> it yeah, wasn't good. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's good to know now, you know, the perception <laughs> is that I'm a fine balance between uh, what we said not to be and then, you know, who I am and how you've got to know me. So thank you for the opportunity to redeem myself. Yeah, I will say the main thing was that you asked, you know, so whatever criticism came after that, I asked no. for it, you know. It's so. a choice. Yes, it is a choice to be there. Yeah. 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 And so for everyone uh, who doesn't know or, or may not be aware, uh, Benny is a huge part of the Eddie Adams workshop itself uh, outside of what he does for the Air Force. But he's been the MC uh, for the workshop the last couple of years. You may have seen, seen him when they did the all virtual workshops. Or uh, if you've been a student the last couple of years, he's been up there introducing the speakers, corralling everything, making sure it's all together. And then he'll also, again, be leading uh, the panel 
uh, for next week's live stream covering all the, the portfolio edits uh, that you can make before the final deadline for this year's workshop. Um, and then DINFOS, and so for some of y'all heard that, that's actually the Defense Information School. So that's um, what she went through, what I went through, a lot of our peers went through in the military, or all of them actually, will actually go through the school to where it's a melting pot. So traditionally, when you join the military, um, you would go off to after basic training to a school where most of it you're going to stay within your branch of service. But the the Defense Information School is a school where all branches come together and even sometimes Coast Guard uh, and will collectively learn and under DOD regulations. So we all have to fall under the same communication and visual guidelines collectively because there needs to be a continuity regardless whatever branch service that you're in, because we all need to be communicating on the same frequency and not have any kind of contradictions in the quality of the stuff we're doing. So there's a good baseline for all that. So that is the Defense Information School. Um, and so like, so for you, you've had a lot of great mentors uh, and it sounds like um, there's been, like Benny's had a huge impact, um, but I know there's one incredible mentor you may have had that not necessarily photo specific that helps sort of shape and continue to like, I, I think, help mature your your thought process and your decision making skills. Um, can you share a little bit about them? Yes. Yeah, so my first assignment straight out of Denfos was to Moody Air Force Base in Georgia. It's in Valdosta, uh, so it's a small town kind of vibe, but it's densely populated. Um, and yeah, when I got there, <laughs> I was in A one C, and uh, Senior Airman Tinsley was not my supervisor at the time. I had Staff Sergeant Dominique, who was my supervisor, uh, both black women, both incredible. Um, and so Sergeant Dominique kind of molded me and shaped out the rough edges that came from you know I was I was twenty four when I joined. I was used to doing things my own way, um, and I wasn't disciplined. Uh, and so Sergeant Dominique helped discipline me. And then uh, Sergeant Tinsley, by the time she came, my my supervisor, she helped kind of polish me, if that makes sense. So, um, you know, Sergeant Tinsley, uh, <laughs> I hated her at first when she was senior Airman Tinsley because she, um, when you go through DENFOS, you go through tech school. Um, and in tech school, they have different leaders. And so you wear a different color rope depending on what leadership you're you're involved in. And I had just, it was the end of tech school and they finally gave me a green rope for whatever reason. And I posted a picture on Facebook with my green rope and Sergeant Tinsley posted a picture underneath my picture with her red rope. Red was higher <laughs> than green. And so I was like, why would you do that? You know, like I just, <laughs> I just got it. Why would you vote? It's not your time. Um, so I hated her. I did not like her. I didn't trust her. Um, and then when I got to Moody, um, she had tried to help me out with some stuff and I was not receptive uh, because of that Facebook comment. I didn't trust her. And then um, my, I actually had another writing mentor. Her name is Andrea. And she helped me a lot when I was at Moody. Um, Again, she was from the old school thing where she, you know, wasn't afraid to tell you that your writing sucked and mine did. And I was tired of having to do so many different corrections. Uh, and when I handed her my first story, she I think she read the lead in the bridge and she was like, you know, I hate this story and I hate you. <laughs> and I was wow. like, hey, wow. well, how do I fix it? And she thought I was coachable. And so she helped me. Um, and she actually helped me coach me to win, you know, one of my first awards, which was for writing. And so from there, Tinsley helped me with my writing as well, begrudgingly, because I did not want her help. 
Um, and then eventually she became my supervisor. And, you know, I'm thinking that it's going to be the same thing as with Sergeant Dominique and stuff. And because I had already figured out how to, you know, keep her happy so that I was never in trouble or wasn't getting counseled too much. And then when I moved on to Sergeant Tinsley, she was like, okay, um, you know, this is how the Air Force sees you. So you can do your job and go home, and that's fine. If you're below the standard, you know, then we have more things to talk about. But if you want to be excellent, here's how you are excellent. And this is what this looks like. And so I'm like, okay, I want to be excellent. And she's like, cool. So now that you've chosen to be excellent, you can be outstanding or outstanding by the gate. And I was like, what? <laughs> and she was like, yes, that, that is a thing. So everything that comes up, every extra assignment you're taking, every extra thing that you need to do, you're going to do every professional org you're going to join because you said you wanted to be excellent. So we're going to do that. And so every meeting when they're asking for airmen to take a weekend shoot or asking for airmen to do stuff, I she would look at me, I would raise my hand, I'd accomplish a task, good job, next thing. And so I worked my butt off for um, a year or two. And then I started uh, reaching back out to Benny because I was like, I'm doing all these shoots, but I feel like I'm not getting any better. And he would give me prompts or uh, show me something to help me think about photography different. Um, and then I also had a Ryan Callahan there. Um, and he was really instrumental in helping me with my photography um, because he took the time out to teach me. Um, cause I would look at his photos and I'd be like, we're shooting at the same location. How come my pictures mm -hmm. don't look like yours? And he would teach me, I would watch him edit. Um, I would sit down and watch him look at pictures, see what he thought about things. We would go through every image that I took, um, thousands of images and <laughs> he would sit down with me and help me pick my selects, help me edit them. Um, ask me, why did I shoot this this way? Most of the time it's cause I didn't know how my camera worked. So he would give me things to watch to help me understand at least the mechanics of the camera, what it's capable of. Um, and then, yeah, from there, um, I got into the DOD storytelling workshop. Um, they encouraged me to apply for Eddie Adams. Uh, by then I had already applied twice or not Eddie Adams for Syracuse. Okay. And yeah. By then, uh, it was my first year actually applying for that. And I had been applying for Eddie Adams at that time too, but I was nowhere near ready. Yeah. Um, and so the first year that I applied uh, for Syracuse, I got in. Um, okay. And so what was that like? I know you speaking with people like Benny and other people that have uh, been through the program or they know someone who's been through the program and you're finally selected for that and you show up. What was that experience like? So it was, it was uh, life-changing. I keep saying that, uh, but all of these things have been really instrumental in molding me into the photographer that I am and the person that I am. And so when I got to, I had been working really, really hard at Moody and it was a, um, not the most pleasant working environment. Um, there was a lot of, I was burnt out uh, by the time I was getting ready to leave and I was depressed. Um, and so when I found out that I was going to go to Syracuse, it was kind of like a light, you know, um, that kind of, it was, I felt like it was a reward for all my hard work, but it was also like I could take a break um, because when you're in Syracuse as a military member, you're off the grid, basically, you're a student. And so all of the extra responsibilities and additional duties that I had taken on, um, all of the extra being the go-to and stuff was done. I could just, mm -hmm. you know, go to school, which is difficult, you know, especially yeah. some people haven't been in college before and stuff. So it's a learning curve. 
Um, but I had been, and so it was a little bit of a break. I worked hard while I was there, but um, it was definitely different than you know the military lifestyle that I had been accustomed to. And so getting there, um, my experience was I had, uh, <laughs> there was four of us Air Force folks who rented a house together. Um, I took the smallest room, so I paid the least. And uh, <laughs> I was just having a great time and learning a whole lot. Um, some of my instructors, I had Mr. Sutherland who hated all of us and hated mm -hmm. our photos. <laughs> well, in, in the kindest way possible. Yeah, yeah well, sometimes, sometimes. Yeah, he, he, has was, a special, yeah. he has a special way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> of connecting to where it's, it's sort of like me, you know, I come up, I seem abrasive, you know, there's a hardened shell, but on the inside we're soft, you know, yeah. and you know, mm -hmm, but. And so we only had him for two weeks because uh, he was retiring. Um, and so what it, in the beginning, when you go, you take um, a grammar slammer course where they kind of teach you, you know, how to write um, mm -hmm. college. Malloy, was he still there? Yes, Mr. Malloy. So the legendary Mr. Malloy. Mm -hmm. And he had a um, his own book <laughs> that I don't know if he. Yeah, no, he no, no, we didn't have a Mr. Malloy book when we were going through. Yeah, I think I still have it. Um, but he has he had, he had his own grammar book where it just taught you prepositional phrases and all that stuff, adverbs, which I was like, you know, I had <laughs> yeah. no idea. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and so there, from there, we also had a class that taught you how to be in college. Um, and then Mr. Sutherland's class was getting everybody on the same playing field as far as photography, how we talk about photography, what the techniques are, how to use your camera, all that stuff. And then from there, classes actually start. And so I had some amazing instructors, um, one that really comes to mind and was really influential. Uh, his, his name was uh, Professor Quinn, and he taught the audio class. Mm -hmm. um, that really changed a lot of the way that I thought about video. Um, it taught it changed the way that I thought about using sound. Um, it helped prep me for the work I do at Airman Magazine, where like, you know, a building podcast and stuff like that. It helped a lot with that. Um, and so it made me a little bit more creative and more excited. Um, and then my photography teachers were, um, oh, Amy Tunsing taught us for a semester. And then I'm looking right at his face. Uh, the photography teacher that influenced all of us a lot was Greg Heisler. That's his name. Okay. And uh, yeah, he was. Wow, awesome. you got that one. Okay, that's. I know, that's right? Embarrassing. <laughs> he was. He was awesome, and he taught us. Um, I think one of the lessons that he learned over the years was, you know, that most of the time when we go back to uh, operational, we only have the equipment that we have. And so he really spent a whole lot of time teaching us like, yeah, you could build this in a studio with all this stuff, but you could also do this with a $20 light from Home Depot. Um, and so he taught us a lot of how to do field photography lighting cheaper with what's available. Um, and I thought that was a really great lesson that all of us kind of took with us um, on how to, you know, you can have, you know, the greatest equipment and that's awesome, mm -hmm. but you can also have this basic stuff. And as long as you're creative and as long as you're dedicated, you can achieve, you know, wonderful things. So it was pretty cool. So I, I definitely see a pattern, uh, and for like your thought process, or at least how you approach things into where there's always this hunger to learn more. There's always this desire to leave no stone unturned and educate yourself as much as possible. And I know like after Syracuse, you, you know, you've landed eventually at Airman Magazine. Um, and from what I've seen, like at Airman Magazine and what's been put out is like you're responsible for engaging with a lot of the, the 
leaders at the top, whether it's like the top enlisted person for the Air Force or the the top four star general or the um, or the directors of different uh, science departments or engineering departments that are ultimately crafting uh, the decisions or policy that that are going to affect the Air Force and in America for the next 10, 20, 30 years. And so um, like uh, when you look at typical interviews uh, that people ask and the questions that they ask that a lot of the times it seems it's needed, but a lot it seems superficial. It's like the same 10 to 15 questions you hear time in time out. But what I see when either you're managing an interviewer, you're actually sitting down with them themselves, you're you're really diving into um, them and um, things and topics they specifically would have brought up, but it's not just in a way where you're just regurgitating something they said. You're asking it in a way to where it's really getting them to think about a response and to what were their true intentions were. So uh, can you sort of connect those dots for um, like what motivates you to really dive that deep uh, and to just potentially sometimes we have like half an hour to sit down with someone? Yeah. Um... You know, being so when I was at Moody, um, my job was to communicate the stories of the airmen, right? And so what I found worked was being genuinely interested in their job and them as a human and how how their job has impacted their life. Um, and so once I started to understand that and treat, you know, those interviews as more than just, you know, a quota for whatever story that I'm doing, I started to have better connections with the people who I was working with. And I started to get invited back, <laughs> which made my job easier, right. So now they're calling me to let me know events are happening because they enjoy, you know, me being around, they enjoy being highlighted for their career. And they also understand that I genuinely care about the work that they're doing. And I think it's important. And so that, um, those lessons, you know, on how to connect with people and stuff kind of came from uh, I was a waitress for a while and trying to convince somebody to tip you is difficult, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> they have to feel like you, one, you've earned it, that you've done everything that you can, and they also have to like you. And trying to get that done in a meal is hard. Um, but I eventually mastered that um, and that rolled over into yearbook photography, which would roll over into, you know, Air Force photography and stuff. But learning those lessons on how to make people feel important, how to make them, you know, feel like you're actively listening by actively listening, how to gauge their personality to see like what kind of things you can use in order to make them feel like, you know, you're you they have your undivided attention. Um, so I have developed little tips and tricks over the years of things that I do to make people feel comfortable. Um, but as far as getting to people to open up or really um, go different places in the interview with me, it's it's I watch a lot of Oprah. <laughs> I watch <laughs> a lot of learning Oprah's techniques and how she gets, you know, people to open up um, over the years, because I think that she has done some amazing interviews. And I think a lot of those interviews that she's able to do with high profile celebrities are come from tips and tricks that she learned when she was doing her talk show and mm -hmm. she was getting people to open up on TV, uh, at, you know, all while doing it live. So I think that she's an, a really interesting person to study um, and to learn techniques from and stuff. And so that was great uh, learning all that stuff. And then those those experiences at Moody really prepared me um, to be at Airman Magazine and to have a genuine curiosity for how things work, um, what people are thinking of. And when you start talking to key leaders, you know, like four star generals, 
um, and stuff like that, you're learning more about why the Air Force is structured the way it's structured, why they're making certain changes, um, and it's less about how to get how to get the mission done. They're the people who put the mission together, right? So mm-hmm. you need to understand why we're moving the way that we're moving, what's behind this change, um, what's making this work, uh, what are the reasons for this, what problems are you seeing? And so I think being genuinely curious about that stuff helps me be a better interviewer. Um, what about so so for me though, I'm curious like what in you motivates you or excites you or drives you to want want to know these things like to want to interview like oprah um and like i think they're all incredible tools to have but like what within you feels like you have this thing that you have to do it that way compared to just doing it because i have the tools and the ability my mom would say i think my mom and my dad would say it's because i'm nosy uh, my mom, she said that when I was born, I was looking around, uh, trying to figure out you know, what's going on, who's in here, what is that, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, I, I think it's just genuinely being curious. Um, and there's, you know, not much that I can't find something interesting in. I'm, you know, when I'm bored, I'm Googling things or trying to figure mm-hmm. something out or trying to figure out how something works. So I think it's just genuinely being curious about how does this work or, you know, why is this happening or what what is this thing? Um, so I think, you know, having this career field and especially being in the Air Force, it's being at Airman Magazine, it's hard for me to get bored because we can mm-hmm. dive into so many different things, so many different missions with so many different people do. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just I think it's just curiosity. That's I mean, that's really cool. And like I said, it's, it's fascinating for me to be able to like actually peek inside people's heads to see like what, what makes them tick? Like what, again, like we, we all have access because of technology now to a lot of this information to help give us the tools to be successful, but it's a different layer of understanding of why people are applying, you know, certain tools to do their job and to get it done and how they're getting it done. And we're all motivated by different factors. But again, that's what, that's what I'm excited about doing these things for is just to really learn again about the person. Um, and so you, you sharing like that, where you're at now, you do so much. And so like, and you've already accomplished a bunch and we've talked a little bit about that in a way, but what do you have? Like, I know there has to be some incredible trips coming up or there has to be some incredible opportunities. Again, it's almost like a, just another day in the office for you, but can you sort of share a little bit about what you have ahead? Yeah, so this coming Tuesday, I'm actually interviewing the Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force. Uh, so that's pretty big. We, I haven't, ever had an opportunity to interview or meet her. Uh, So that'll be really interesting and getting to find out, you know, some things that I'm genuinely curious about. Um, And then thinking about how to, you know, uh, create products that communicate that to the greater force. Um, So it's a it's an interesting puzzle piece to put together. Um, It's interesting to try and build, you know, questions for interviews and stuff that you're going to be able to take content from for a year you know, or, you know, that you're not just going to put out inside of one product. Um, So that's an interesting part about figuring out how to continue using that messaging, how to phrase questions so that they're not dated. Um, So it's, that's fun. (laughs) And it's always a great time. And then after that, I'm going to Tennessee, they have an innovative readiness exercise uh, that they're doing called healthy Tennesseans. And it's basically where um, 
all the different services get medical professionals together and they mm. go to a low income community to provide healthcare support uh, free of charge to the local community. And what it does is it gives military members a chance to train on, you know, different techniques and procedures that they need in order to stay current. And it also gives uh, the community much needed support. And so we're going to, you know, be down there uh, helping to tell that story uh, and then using that content to build a new monthly issue of Airmen Magazine that talks about um, Northcom and how they help provide, you know, support worldwide to different missions, if that makes sense. It does. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be pretty cool, pretty busy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but those are a couple of opportunities that I have coming up. Okay. And I know there's, uh, I think, a big one coming up that I think I've heard of before, but are you going like outside of the country doing anything. I know like you've been working on the past about stuff with like our partnerships with other countries, which like a lot of people I don't think really put a thought into unless it's put in front of you. But I know our partnerships with other countries are how we're able to sustain, you know, the kind of, uh, you know, just dominance and also safety uh, when we're abroad. Yeah, so we're looking at going to Brazil. Um, so there's in Texas, there's a intern inter American Air Forces Academy, where they teach uh, professional military education, uh, different pilot training schools, security forces stuff completely in Spanish. And the reason for that is so that our partner nation and allies in South uh, Central America can send, you know, their uh, best and brightest to those schools without having to first send them to English language schools. That saves time, that saves money. Um, and then it also helps you build cohesive cohesiveness and interoperability between our nation and theirs. And so the reason that that's important um, is because a lot of people understand what South American countries, Latin American countries get from partnering with the US, but they don't understand what we get from partnering from them. Um, and so partnering with them helps strengthen our borders. It helps uh, you know, strengthen our relationships and it helps interoperability should anything ever happen on American soil then we have neighbors who are willing to help us out. Um, so it's a very important mission. It's critical to our national security. It's critical to security cooperation, which is a, also a huge deal, especially you know in this era of great power competition and stuff. I sound like a nerd, uh, but <laughs> no, it's, it's great. Uh, I mean, I think it's gonna be great for people to to hear these things. And again, it's it's a lot more than just you know when you're in the Air Force covering a story with just the Air Force. We're also again we're connected. With a lot of our partners and allies from other countries we're integrated a lot more than i think people think and by you covering stories like that it really helps shed light on that to help be, people become more informed and again how integrated we are with with other countries and partners to help not just us to be successful but to help them be successful and how we can share the ability to help each other uh when we have something that we can both need and use as I get towards the end of these, I know I have two really final questions I'd like to end cap them off. And and um, the first one I guess I'd like to ask is, do you have a favorite photo? And again, this could be something like it could be your photo you've taken that, that means a lot to you and it, um, it helps craft how, how you've done things going forward. Or it could be a photo that someone else took. So I have a favorite photo and then I have a favorite photo series. Okay. So, I yeah. love to hear that. 
So when I went to Syracuse, um, Amy Tunsing was one of our photography teachers, and she would, was talking about, she was giving a lecture, you know, about different, looking at past photos in order to see what other people have said through their photography in order to pick up on techniques and feeling and emotion and stuff. And she would mention people, and we had no idea who the hell she was talking about. Um, because, you know, military photography, um, the way that it's taught is basically just technique. Um, and you're, if your teacher can weave in history and stuff like that, they do. But a lot of the times you're so new to the thing, you don't really get it. Um, and so we don't learn enough, in my opinion, we don't learn enough about photographers that have come before, uh, the work that they've done, uh, the way that it's impacted people and stuff like that. And so she gave us an assignment where every week we had to cover a different photographer. Um, all of us had to cover the same ones and we had to present different weeks to the class and talk about why their photography was impactful, what we liked the most, what we liked the best and stuff. And so from that assignment, I learned about Gordon Parks. And Gordon Parks has a picture I don't remember exactly what it's called, but he has a picture of these kids, uh, black kids looking through a fence at a park. Um, mm -hmm. And then you can't see who's in the park on the other side. I think you can see maybe a little bit, but you understand why they're on that side of the fence and you understand why they can't um, go over there. Mm -hmm. And the kids back is facing the camera, but you know from their body language that they wanna be over there without seeing their faces. Um, and that was really impactful. That picture was really impactful for me because of what it symbolizes, the time period that it talks about, and the fact that you can feel the emotion in the photo without seeing anyone's faces. Uh, throughout my career, people have you know been like, well, it's the back of a head. And I feel like that that picture really encompasses how you know your composition and what you decide to keep in the frame and waiting for you know a moment where everyone's kind of like on the same accord um, can do, even if you can't see everyone's face. So I think that was a very impactful picture uh, for me, uh, which came to mind when you asked the question. And then my favorite photo series is uh, Carrie Mae Weems. Um, she has a kitchen table series. And it's just really interesting because, you know, all these pictures are um, posed, um, but they symbolize, each picture symbolizes something very different that happens and what your kitchen table is used for and the different, you know, scenes that come together. And it's so relatable uh, to all the different ways that my table was used in my home growing up or the different ways that we still use the table now. Um, so that's a really impactful series for me. Um, and I wouldn't know about those two photographers or those two assignments had it not been, you know, for the Syracuse program and my teacher taking the time out to bridge that gap and understanding that we had no kind of, you know, understanding of um, past photographers and stuff. Yeah. And then taking the time out to pick out these really impactful photographers that would have an impact on each of the people in the class. Yeah. Because um, sometimes, you know, in those assignments, assigning people photographers, I think she also thought about diversity. Um, I think she also thought about, you know, what the class demographic was and who, you know, she could, you know, get us to research that would inspire each of us mm -hmm. um, individually. So it was a great assignment. And yeah, those are the two things that. That's, that really, that's really neat. I think too, just even you bringing up that series, which I'm definitely, I'm going to check out now, but it, I think why something like that can be so successful is because it's something to where like in a way we can all identify with in our own special way. And to me, it like just you sharing some of that, the nostalgia, just thinking about how the dinner table set 
know, our house, like on a normal night or during a holiday, like Thanksgiving, or if you go back home or to a friend's house and you sort of see again, how they celebrate the holidays. And again, it's all going to be a little bit different. You're always in the back of your head, you're going to make a comparison, you know, to things that you may like or not like, you know, for, for what's there. And so uh, I'm definitely going to check that out that it's piqued my curiosity, but to take something like that, and to conceptualize it and execute it in a way to where you can, it can have an impression on someone like you. Uh, I, I think that's also a testament to the the photographer who was able to capture and, and create that series. And so um, I think too, it's, it's taking a simple idea, and when you're able to take something so simple, but it, it resonate and have an impact that's so profound for someone, uh, that's someone who truly understands like the message that they're trying to deliver. Um, it's not just yeah. an idea that they're putting to paper without like some truth thought going into that. Um, and I guess that's a great segue into my last question um, is sharing about your Eddie Adams workshop uh, time. And because uh, I know there's a lot of that, that kind of thought process and, and really stimulation when working with those mentors there. Can you share a little bit about uh, how the Eddie Adams workshop um was like for you and then the kind of impacts it had or like if it expanded your friendships and network? Yeah, so again, life-changing experience, right? <laughs> so the Eddie Adams workshop was awesome. Um, I was encouraged to apply by the Airman Magazine team. I was very nervous, uh, but they helped me uh, put my portfolio together and then luckily I got in, right? And so um, I wanted to make sure that I, took a lot of lessons away from from the workshop I bought a notebook and all that stuff uh, but the biggest impact I think was that uh, learning that everybody who was there is a volunteer um, and some of these people have had incredible careers um, some people who you would never dream of meeting um, and they're all there on a volunteer basis to um, inspire you and to help and to encourage you um, and I thought that that was something that I really took away from uh, the workshop with was that like, you know, it didn't like you had Dan Winters, you know, helping set up lights or helping, you know, people, uh, you had Matthew Jordan Smith, you know, talking to people, you know, about their portfolios or spending extra time, you know, helping students or, you know, staying up, uh, trying to help troubleshoot something with somebody or giving words of encouragement. Um, one of my favorite moments um, at the workshop was uh, Matthew Jordan Smith shared um, some photos that he had done of one of his family members who was who was dying and who was in the hospital. And I got to ask him a question because I was thinking of, you know, taking photos and doing a audio um, series with my grandmother, who was 90 at the time. Um, and he encouraged me to just, you know, I, the problem that I was having was trying to convince um, my family that this was a good thing and that we needed to do this. Um, and I had, you know, bought up the idea a couple of times to my mom and stuff like that. And they were kind of nervous, you know, about what was going to happen with the footage, what was going to happen with the audio and stuff like that once once it was done or something like that. And he just encouraged me to just to, to just start um, and to not worry so much about what other people think, because at the end of the day, if I don't do it, then I'll have regrets. And so uh, the workshop was in what was it? Uh, October, yeah. October of 2022. And mm -hmm. she passed in February this year. 
And I was able to get, you know, a couple of moments and a couple of greats, uh, you know, because we're in the middle of COVID. Uh, mm-hmm. By then, she's 91. And so, you know, going over to spend time, I didn't get to spend as much time as I'd like, but I was there. And I was able to, you know, capture some of her voice telling some stories and saying her favorite prayers and stuff like that. But now, you know, um, the grandkids and stuff who won't necessarily remember her voice or won't necessarily, you know, have spent the amount of time that I've spent with her, will be able to understand her a bit more and we'll be able to hear her voice. And so um, that was really impactful. Uh, That was a great moment. And I really, it's hard to conceptualize or to explain, you know, how much that stuff sticks with you. Um, And so it was a great, it was a great opportunity. Um, I'm getting emotional, but. That's beautiful. I mean, I think, uh, one, thank you for sharing that, but uh, it's beautiful to, one, you have the willingness to even open up and share uh, to the workshop. And uh, I think the workshop and the people present themselves in a way to where you are open to being vulnerable and asking questions and seeking guidance from, again, it doesn't, from a peer that's a student at the workshop or even as someone who's a leader and team leader themselves, again, who's accomplished so much, but for them to truly sit down with you and make you feel comfortable enough to where um, what the questions that you're asking and the feedback and, and mentorship that they're, they're guiding you with is truly authentic. And it's committed to just you. And it's just not regurgitated information that they're going to just go repeat, you know, to the next 99 students after you have that. And, and the the ability to connect, I think that's what makes um, the workshop so special. And I don't mean it just like as in the Eddie Adams workshop as a, a place, but it's uh, like you said, it's made up of the people. It's not just the, the black team and the volunteers and the team leaders, it's also the students. Like, you know, the, the workshop really prides itself on a spe- picking a special selection of students to go there that are generally, you're ready to receive uh, and grow from the experience. And it's not just gonna be a checkbox, a check mark for you on your on a resume saying that this is somewhere you've been. And, um, and again, I think it's uh, a testament to you and your growth uh, to be able to again be so vulnerable to where you want to receive that feedback to where you can really maximize. And, and I think he touched on something perfect to where at the end of the day, you know, it's about connection and it's about your connection with your family. And all you're using is this form to capture that. And uh, it, again, you don't want to have regrets. It's not about um, like creating the best shot. It's not about capturing it from a certain angle. It's about like connecting and having a moment to be able to have and cherish forever. Um, and 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 that's uh that's really cool. And again, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And um I know, yeah, I wasn't necessarily uh I don't think we we're expecting that out of that question, but I think it again, it's special. And you sharing that with everyone here, uh, I think is it's gonna help, you know, people that have been through at some point in time, uh, help them reflect on a special moment that they've had with someone that they've been able to carry on after after the workshop. So thank you again. Yeah, it's like 
you know, I, and I wasn't the only person there who was struggling with that, you know, after asking that question and I got emotional when I asked it to, you know, there were several people who were going through the same or similar things and we all got to connect, you know, about that and talk about that. And I saw some of them, you know, uh, I think Kevin Worm comes to mind. He, uh, started posting, you know, photos and stuff that he was taking of his grandmother at the time. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's a, it's just a, it's one of those things where you're going to get out of it as much as you put in. Um, but I feel like because of because everyone is there because they want to be there, everyone is there to help inspire people um, and there to connect with people that it's really hard to come out of there and not be changed. Um, it's hard to come out of there and not want to be a part of it, you know, the next time that you uh, the next time black team applications or anything like that come up. So I hope I hope to get to go back. Um, I hope to get to give back. And, you know, I, it was just a really impactful experience and meant team forever, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. You know, I'm a little biased, probably not meant team for me. Probably. I don't think my color team exists anymore. That was maroon. So this sort of phased us out. I don't know what that says, but you know, I'm proud. I'm proud of the team that we had. And, uh, but no, yeah, with that, we've been chatting for a while. I don't want to hold you forever. But again, I want to thank you uh, for sharing some of your time today, sharing some of your experiences, um, knowledge. And I think there's a lot to really um, process and take away from this. And I'm again, thank you. I'm excited to share this with everyone. Do um, you have any final parting words uh, before we sign off? Just apply, you know, take the jump, apply. And then when you, when you get in and when you get to go, uh, Take the time to really enjoy the experience. Um, take the time to, you know, make the most out of the experience. And don't think about so much, you know, the opportunities that it's going to give you, but think about growing as a person. Think about, you know, growing as a technician and just, you know, really, you know, again, relish the experience because uh, you only get to go for the first time one time um, and you only get to be a student once. So, you know, just apply take the, you know, chance and make the most of it. So Beautiful. Well, awesome. Well, thank you, Janiqua. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. Why? Why? <laughs> <laughs>